Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, brother. Well, I'm wrecked as well. I've been wrecked by the worship and um, by all you guys and what God's doing here. And uh, I always try not to cry before preaching because then you you look all red-eyed and what have you. But, um, hey, that's the way it goes. And the, the Holy Spirit works in each of us in a variety of ways. And some people shake when the Holy Spirit's at work in their lives, and I've had that. Some people fall over. Uh, some people cry, and I'm one of the criers, I'm afraid to say. So uh, that's just the way it goes with me, and God's not about to change me. He's uh, made me that way, wired me that way. And if he's wired you the same way, which is probably why we get on so well, because Dee and I are very much wired the same way, then um, there you go. Just live with it and enjoy it. Don't apologize for it. Just be who God's created you to be. But today is a day of joy, isn't it? Amen. It's wonderful stuff. Every day is a day of joy. In actual fact, I could say that any day of the week, but it's a special day of joy today. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite you all uh, to, to call out, thank you, Lord, that you have given me the joy of, and then fill in the blank. And so for you, it might be the joy of, like Dave said, seeing his son being commissioned as an elder. Uh, for you, it might be the joy of having health today so that you could dance in the time of song worship. Perhaps for you, it's the joy of God's grace, even though you're not enjoying a period of health. Perhaps today you're going to say, God, this tent, remember Paul said that in scripture, this tent of mine's wearing out. But thank you that you've given me the joy of being renewed inwardly every single day. So the, day, the, the joy for you will be different perhaps to the person next to you. But in a moment or two, I want to hear from you saying, thank you, God, for the joy of such and such, whatever that might be. But um, I was reminded as we were, as Dave shared and as we were worshipping, um, of what the Apostle John said when he wrote to a church that he'd been part of planting, and interestingly, he introduces himself as the elder of that church. Uh, he was no longer present with them, but he was writing this letter to them, and uh, he says to them, uh, there's, there's much that I have to write, but I don't really want to put it in pen and ink, and I feel that myself. I'm so overjoyed to be here today because I'm forever sending D text messages and whatever else, WhatsApps and emails. But it's so much better, like the Apostle John said, he was desperate to see them face to face. And for me, there's a special joy today. So thank you, Father, for the joy of seeing your people face to face, which, as the Apostle John said, is a joy that is complete. It is a, a joy in itself, unlike anything else. And uh, church, the, your sister church, which is a church in Bromham that some of you have been to for a baptism not so long ago. Some of you have never been there, but that was a great night in itself. But anyway, your chosen sister, he, he says, to this particular church that he's writing to, they send their greetings. He's not talking about biological brothers and sisters or anything such as that. He's talking to churches, and he says, your sister church sends their greetings, and the church at Bromham sends you their greetings today, folks. They specifically asked me to pass on their love and their greetings. So let's go for it. Somebody jump in, say, Father, I thank you today for the joy of... You go for it. And just one after another, jump in for a moment. Yeah, thank you, Father, for the joy of daughters. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of my marriage. Thank you for the joy of marriage, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of a job. Yeah, thank you for the joy of employment, Lord. And a baby, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you that you love us in your grace, Lord. Yes, thank you for the joy of grandsons, Father. Thank you for the joy of the journey with you, Lord, that we're not journeying alone. Amen. Thank you for the joy of community, of church life, Lord. True life family. Yeah, thank you for the joy of meeting, Lord, and being able to do so freely without fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for children who love you. Thank you for the joy of that, Lord. Yes, thank you for the joy that your word brings, Lord. Amen, the joy of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of seeing you at work in our families. And we thank you, Lord. We do thank you for the joy of this day that we get to spend together, Lord. This is the day you've made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. It's a day of gladness, Lord. And it's our honor to gather together in your presence and to open your word that we've just declared is a lamp to our feet. It's that light to our path, Lord. And as we open it together, we pray that we'll draw strength from it. We pray that it will bring encouragement, that power will be imparted to us, Lord, for our journey that you've called us to this day and for all our days. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 3. And we're going to look today at God's gifts and calling, which... Be assured, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how um, disobedient you may have been this week, and I trust you haven't been, but you may have been, and so even if that's the case, rest assured, God's gifts and God's calling, Romans chapter 11 tells us, are without repentance, or another translation says they are irrevocable. God doesn't take his gifts and his calling back, in other words no matter what we go on to do. And the, the prime example of that, that that is talked about in Romans 11 is it's the people of Israel. And they are far from perfect. They have been thoroughly disobedient and stiff-necked, not all, but many have been, to the will of God for them as a people. And yet God still says, I have not rejected them. Has God rejected his people? Paul asks, heaven forbid, God forbid that anybody should say that God has rejected Israel. And you, are, you and I are living in special days. Some of you have been to the, the land of Israel itself. We're living in special days where we have seen the faithfulness of God displayed in a nation group of people, the people of Israel. As I say, they're not perfect. I'm not saying everything they do is right or good. It isn't. But God has still been faithful to them in spite of their disobedience and rebelliousness. God has said, they are my chosen people. They will be a light to the nations. And I will restore them to their land. They're only tenants of the land. They don't own it. God owns it. God owns the whole earth. But he says, I will restore them to that land. And 70 so years ago, God was true to his word. And what we see in them, we see in ourselves. If God was unfaithful to Israel, he could be unfaithful to us. But he's never been unfaithful to Israel. He is always faithful to his promises. He's always faithful to his word. And what's true for them is true for you and me too. 
And so today is a day of joy. And as Dee said, we are happy and we are clappy. The opposite is being sad or miserable. Uh, so we're either happy and clappy or sad and crappy. And I don't want to be sad and crappy, do you? I'm happy to be clappy. I don't mind who knows it. I don't know whether I was allowed to say that, Esther, but shaking her head at me, yes. <laughs> I'm not looking in that direction. Um, God's gifts and his calling are without repentance. Uh, they're a bit like gym membership in a way, if you want an analogy. Uh, when, you, when you see those advertisements for a month or three months free gym membership, it's not dissimilar. God's gifts to you and to me and his calling are free of charge. But if we want to develop and grow in it, then we need to maintain his grace and his goodness in our lives. We need to do something ourselves to grow in his gifts and calling. If you get a free gym membership and you buy all the kit, and you've seen them at the gym, I'm sure, just like I have, they come in all kitted out with the brand new suit, the brand new outfit, the brand new trainers, the nice water bottle that in itself cost them 50 quid or something crazy, the drink in it that costs them 20 pounds from the shop. They come in and then all they do is look at the piece of equipment. They walk around. They talk to everybody. You're pointing some fingers at somebody by the looks of it. They talk to everybody. And then they, 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, exit. It's not benefited them one bit, but it was free to them. <laughs> and it's a bit like that with the gifts and calling of God. That we can, it, it's free to us. But then God says, okay, now you've got a responsibility. It's all there to be used. It's there for you to grow in. So how do we grow in the gift and the call of God for each of our lives? And obviously, I'm going to apply it specifically to uh, Dylan and Tim and to Brad this morning as we're recognizing and commissioning them as elder shepherds. So Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those whom he wanted. And they came to him. There's a duty for us, actually. God's gift of grace is free to us. It's freely available to all of us. But he says, will you come to me? That's step one. Perhaps there are some of you this morning, you've never come to Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, there you go. You've got to start there. You've got to come to him as he calls you, and he's calling you this morning. Verse 14, and he appointed 12, designating them apostles. Now, some might have looked at that and observed that and said, hey, that's not fair. There was a big crowd of disciples, of his followers. So why those 12? Because God had a special task for them to do. And he's got a special task for all of us to do. He had a special task for everybody who was his follower, but different tasks. Yeah. Special and no, no less significant. But if we look jealously at somebody else, then what we're really saying is our father doesn't have enough to go round. He doesn't have enough love to go round. He doesn't have en enough gifts to go round. His calling is uh, not wide enough to encompass us all. That's not the case. God has different calls for each of us. And for these 12, it was that they should be these apostles. And then others who would humbly accept that could also be used by the Lord just in different ways. Why did he appoint those 12 and designate them uh, ambassadors or emissaries or apostles, it was so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. It's wonderful stuff. And there are plenty of lessons in there for us to learn from this morning that we're going to have a quick look at. Every one of us has a call from God to serve him in some particular way. Now that's mind-blowing in itself, is it not? 
to think, God, you have created me to be who you've called me to be, to be in this place, as Tim was saying from the book of Esther, we can say it for ourselves too, for such a time as this. God, you've called me for a reason and a season. Will you say that with me? God, you have called me for a reason and a season. God could have had us on earth at any moment in history and he chose that you and I would be alive today in this wonderful place of Great Britain in the sunshine in Milton Keynes. And uh, I personally wouldn't choose to be anywhere else. You might be. I know there are beautiful places in the world. I have a heart and a love for places like Israel, like Kenya, like Spain. There was a lady who my friend and I knew. Uh, she was part of the beach mission team where the Lord saved us over in Cromer in Norfolk. Uh, quite an elderly lady. And uh, she, she sent a, an email to us all who were linked to this beach mission. And she said, I feel that God has, has been calling me to Spain, and so I want to be obedient and go, and I'm, I'm writing to you asking if you would sponsor me. Well, I don't mind sponsoring people and supporting people financially, but I want to know what it is they're going to do. So I read on. Well, her call, she felt, was to be by the pool in her villa every day praying for the nations. Who doesn't want that call? <laughs> in Spain, in the sunshine. Sounds good. Maybe I'm just jealous. That's probably the case. But, folks, I am perfectly happy to be in the sunshine in, in MK. And even on the rainy days, I'm happy to be in this place because there's that sense that, God, you have called us here. And when you have that sense, you also have a security in that so that you can listen to the testimonies and the stories of people from Spain or South Africa or uh, I don't know, Australia or wherever. And you can rejoice in what God's doing in them. But there's not actually an envy and jealousy there in truth because, you know, God, you have called me here for such a time as this. And so I'm happy and I'm clappy and I'm rejoicing, God, in what you're doing through us. Your call from God is unique. And, and Brad and Dee and uh, Tim, your call from God is unique in this place, if you like. You're, you're being called by God. You have been called and you are serving as elder shepherds. Now, I like that phrase. If you're wondering why am I saying elder shepherds, it's simply because we don't tend to use the word elder in our culture the way it was used in Scripture. And so a lot of people think elder and they think of an old person. Sometimes they were old people, but not necessarily. And uh, that's certainly not the case with these guys. So if I just use the word elder, some people might say, well, surely they don't fit the bill. They're too young to be an elder. But that's not really what it was getting at. It meant somebody who was mature spiritually and who was a shepherd. In other words, somebody who cared for and fed the flock of God, the people of God, his church. And that's exactly what these guys do. And that's why, for me... There's no question that we are acknowledging them and recognizing them for the work they're already doing. That's how it should be. We don't, it's not an office or uh, a responsibility that we call people to or that God calls people to and says, you've never done anything like this, but from this day on, you're now going to be different. No, we are to acknowledge and recognize something that somebody is already doing for the Lord. And I'm certain if you're part of this church, you know full well that Tim... Brad and Dylan are shepherding you already. They are feeding you well. They're helping you to maintain a healthy spiritual life with your Lord. And they're protecting you too. You perhaps don't understand that quite so much or see that quite so much. But they are protecting you 
Because scripture says time and time again that there are people who are like wolves who want to come in and devour the sheep. They want to come and mess up your life. These guys are appointed by the Lord and recognized by all of us as men who are going to protect you from things like false teaching. And they'll do that with grace, but they'll do that with a firmness as well. And they're already doing that. So we recognize that, we honor that, we thank God for that, that sometimes they're going to come to perhaps me or you or whoever else with a loving word of correction. And they'll speak the truth in love to us. And they might, I hope they're not going to have to, but they might just say, Stephen, that sermon this morning was good, but please don't use the word crappy again. And now I've just used it again, haven't I? When you preach it true life, you don't use that language, Stephen. So, hey, I'm open to be corrected. But we all need to be because these men have been given an authority from God to serve you, to serve his church. And that doesn't mean to be a doormat. It means that they are there to protect you, to care for you, sometimes to correct you, to keep you on the straight and narrow. Now, your call might be different, but it's no less significant. And therefore, it's important that you maintain your call in the Lord as well. How do you do that? Same for elders, same for all of us. I just want to take us through three very quick lessons of how we maintain our growth and our development in the Lord. First, there's the communion that you are to enjoy with your Lord. Did you notice there in uh, Mark chapter 3 that we read, the reason Jesus called those 12 and designated them apostles was that they might be with him. Say that with me, that they might be with him. That was the primary reason why he called them. Who doesn't want to spend time with Jesus, with Yeshua, the Lord? I do. I love spending time with him. I'm sure you do. He called them that they might have communion with him. And the first thing to maintaining your call with God is that you spend time in communion with your Lord. That's what develops your relationship and that's what develops your character. And guys, I do want to say a word of encouragement, but also um, a word of instruction to you this morning. Don't let your calling take you. This goes for all of us. Do not let your calling take you where your character can't keep you. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your calling from God take you where your character cannot keep you. We are acknowledging these guys as elders among us because we have seen that the character of Christ has been developed in them to such a point that they're not going to fall. They're not going to mess up. It's not going to be an issue. And they've developed their character through communion with their Lord. And the same goes for every one of us. We need to spend time communing with the Lord every day of our lives. Now, we don't always do that, let's be honest. And when we don't, well, then tomorrow's another day. We put it right tomorrow. If you find yourself in that position this morning, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you had a bad day yesterday, put it right today. It's a new day, new opportunity. His mercies are new every morning. But isn't it shocking, at the very least surprising, but I find it shocking the number of church leaders, well known or otherwise, who fall into sin. Serious sin as well. And we should be shocked by it. It happens all too often, but we mustn't become immune to the shock that that creates in us. It's shocking the number of church leaders who fall into sin. And what happens is, I often hear this, people say, I can't believe he or she was doing this, that or the other, because they were still preaching so powerfully. They were still 
traveling the world, seeing thousands or even hundreds of thousands turning up for their crusades. And there were still tens of thousands in the church that they were leading. And they were still praying for the sick and seeing them healed. They were still driving out demons and seeing miracle upon miracle. So how were they doing it? It was because, and it is because, God's gifts and calling, I go back to Romans 11, are without repentance. They still had the gift, they still had the calling, but they hadn't developed their character. Or they had foregone their character in the Lord. And that's why team is so important. And you might say, well, we could just have Dylan as an elder, could we not? Well, sort of, but that's not the biblical way. If it came to it, well, needs must. But the biblical way is that church leadership and eldership is plural. It's more than one. Because then the team keep one another accountable. And that's what these guys are doing, and that's what they're going to continue to do. And, and when that happens, you have this... You have this beautiful thing of a healthy, growing church. And it doesn't always grow numerically. You're in a season where it's growing numerically, and that's a great blessing, and, and I rejoice in that with you. But there are seasons when you're faithful to God, and churches and, and people leave because of that faithfulness. You have to correct people, and you have to rebuke people, and they don't like that, so people leave. But what you are protecting people from is that fall into sin. So, folks, if they do that for you, Thank them for it. Don't berate them. Don't go around and complain about it. Go to the Lord and say, thank you, God, that you have blessed us as a church with leaders who love me enough to correct me and sometimes rebuke me in order to build me up ultimately and to encourage me in the things that you've called me to. Because what they're protecting us from then is things like discouragement. Because when, when men and women of God fall into sin, churches become discouraged disheartened and too many people become disillusioned and if you've found yourself in that place as Dylan's already shared prophetically this morning be restored today allow God to restore his joy to you in the Holy Spirit I believe God's doing that for some today Jesus called the 12 that they might be with him that they would have communion because from that place of communion there's the commission that the Lord wants you to fulfill but don't put the commission ahead of the communion that often happens. People get caught up with their call, and that's often why their character doesn't get developed, why they fall into sin. They're doing this, that, and the other. They're doing everything but spending communion time with their Lord. Guys, set aside that time. The pressures will inevitably come. You don't need me to tell you that. You're probably already experiencing them. The pressures on your time will be inevitable, but Put your communion with the Lord ahead of your commission. And when you are faithful in communing with him, the commission will flow. The commission will happen without an issue. Well, if there are issues, then the Lord will just help you to resolve them. I don't know whether you know, but it's the anniversary of the Falklands War. Who knew that? Who's old enough to remember the Falklands War? I confess I'm not quite, but it was soon enough after I was born that it was still all on the news for various reasons. And there were still the TV shows. Well, I've been watching some TV shows. Because, you know, it's from my childhood days and, and I remember it, I wanted to, with the anniversary, watch some of the TV shows. So I've done it on catch-up. And they're well worth watching because there are always leadership lessons to learn from such things. But it was interesting to hear some of the stories on those shows. One particular guy shared, because we, being those of us who are British, have this 
version of the Falklands War, that it was all amazing that we did so well, and it, and it was phenomenal what was pulled off, frankly. Um, but we have this uh, rose-tinted spectacles version of events. And so it's been interesting to hear first-hand accounts from some of the commanders, some of their soldiers and what have you. Well, one of the soldiers said there were loads of mistakes that were made along the way. These guys are not perfect. They will, mis they will make mistakes. And what are you to do then? The scripture is very clear. It tells us, obey your leaders. Make their life of service to you a joy because it benefits you not one bit to make their life hard. If you make their life hard, then, then they, if they're not very careful, they just grow to resent it. They become fearful. Uh, they become nervous about stepping up and speaking out and doing what God's called them to do. So make their life a joy by being obedient to them. Interesting, if you read that scripture, it doesn't say obey them when they're right. It just says obey them. Now, if they're going against scripture and going against God's word, then clearly you're then to lovingly help them by correcting them. But if they're just doing something and they say, church, we're going to move to another venue and you disagree with it, Fine, you don't have to agree with it, but scripture is clear that we're to be obedient to our leaders. And they might actually know something about it that you and I don't. So there's a call to obedience there and to make their life a joy. And it was interesting, this story from one of these soldiers. He said there were so many mistakes and we as soldiers knew that we were being told to do things that were not going to work out for good. Ultimately, you know the outcome of the story. Britain defeated Argentina, the Argentines surrendered, and we still own the Falklands Islands, but along the way there were many mistakes from high command. And so this one guy said, we were there on a mountainside, we never should have been on that mountainside, we needed to move to another place, it was freezing cold up there, they started to suffer with things like frostbite, and their commanding officer said, we're going to move tomorrow morning, and uh, we're going to board a ship, we're going to sail into a harbour, they knew, the soldiers themselves knew, you don't do that in daylight hours. You do it under the cover of darkness. But these commanders had left it too late, so now they had to move in the daylight hours, and they were going to a harbour that was overlooked by an Argentinian guard post. It was craziness. And so the Argentines called in an airstrike. It hit the ship. Many people lost their lives. And this particular soldier said, we were there on the mountainside. We'd just received these orders, with, and I had frostbite in my foot. And he said, I felt like taking my boot off and slapping my commanding officer with my frostbitten foot and saying, what are we doing? You know this is not going to work out. But you know what he did? He kept his boot firmly on. He followed orders. They went into battle. Yes, they took a hit because it wasn't a wise move that they were being called to do, but they were being obedient. Now, ultimately, we are all to be obedient to our commanding officer and our commanding officer is not me it's not you it's not Dylan it's not Tim or Brad or anybody else it's the Lord Jesus Amen. it's him and it's him alone and he doesn't ever make mistakes that's the great thing about him he's not some foolish uh, halfwit of a commander he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning his will is always to prosper us his plans are always for our good and so we can listen to his commands and we're going to succeed. We're going to flourish together. Yeah. We'll thrive according to his commission, which we're to fulfill. And when difficulties, distractions, and demands come, remember, like that soldier, 
in the Falklands, you have a commission to fulfill. And it is the highest commission ever. If you were offered the opportunity to serve King Charles III today or King Jesus, I would implore you, stick with King Jesus. Every time. There is no greater king. He is the king of all kings and you have all and we have all been called to be his ambassadors. And if you're an ambassador for King Charles III today, wherever else in the world, you would do it with dignity and you would do it with a sense of pride and honor. <laughs> I know what you're saying, brother. <laughs> well, let's put it this way then. You have been called to serve King Jesus. And you can do it with dignity and pride and honor because he's not like King Charles III. And I go along with you to some extent. If Oliver Cromwell was still alive, I would much rather back Oliver Cromwell. But hey, he's not. We've got King Charles for the moment in the time being. But I'm glad to have King Jesus to serve. Amen. You have a commission from him. And it's to preach the gospel. Look at verse 14 and 15 again with me as we come into a close. You're called to communion with your Lord and you are called and sent to preach, to preach the good news and to have authority to drive out demons. I could turn you to other scriptures that show that the same applies to you and me, but we won't do that this morning. I don't think I actually need to. But your commission is to preach the gospel and to advance the kingdom. That is the highest calling in all the earth. That is higher than being called as the king of England. That is higher than being called the prime minister of this or any other nation. It is the high calling of God on your life. My youth pastor, when I was 16, once preached a message very similar to this. And he said, I want you all to go home and to ask the Lord, what is your will for my life? I encourage you to do the same. If you've never asked that question, ask it for yourself. However young, however old you are, obey God's will in the general things, and then he will reveal his will in the specific things. Dee has already given us an example this morning. These are also men of example. That's another thing that they're called to do as shepherd elders. That's what they're doing. He has honored the biological parents in the room today. That's an example. God has said to respect our parents. And it's the first command that has the promise attached to it that if we do that, then there's, there's a prosperity connected with that if we honour our parents. Now, I hear people say this, Christians who, even who say this, I can't honour my parents because they did this, that or the other. In other words, they were imperfect. Well, welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> there is no perfect parent. Now, I, I empathise with those whose parents have been seriously um, uh, neglectful or worse, still abusive. I get it. That is very difficult to honour. Honouring parents doesn't mean pretending that everything they've done is good or right. But even if our parents have been abysmal, miserable failures in parenting, we can still honour one thing. God used them to give birth to us. It might be the only thing that you can honour in your father or mother. But God said, God has commanded, honour them. Dylan has done that this morning for the parents among us. I'm just saying that is a, gen a part of God's general rule for your life, God's general will for your life. And if you want to know his specific will, you first have to be obedient in his general will, in his revealed will. Then he'll reveal the rest to us. I went home and prayed that night when the youth pastor had preached. And I said, God, what, what is your will for my life? 
I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my spirit, as clear as day, I heard God say, or I felt God say, I sensed him say, I've called you to preach the gospel. Now, in effect, he could say that to any of us, but I knew that it meant something specific for me that I'm still fulfilling to this day. And, and as a result, I went off to Bible college. I met my gorgeous wife, Esther, who you've seen this morning. You're not allowed to say she's gorgeous, but I can. Well, you women can say it. So we'll say it together. So she's wonderful. And um, we met at Bible college and then went from there. And the rest is history. But um, God has commissioned me. God has commissioned you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. I think it's been mentioned that somebody's in their 70s. Didn't you mention somebody in their 70s here this morning who's planting churches or who has or something? Okay, somebody at the conference, right. Well, those kinds of people teach us that we're never too old. But that little boy at the conference also teaches us you're never too young either. What did he say? I love that phrase. What did he say? God's not half mighty. He's almighty. Amen? It's brilliant. You're never too young, you're never too old. We've got a chap in the church in Bromham who's in his 70s and frankly, he's a fairly new believer, but not that new, probably 10-year-old believer. And frankly, he was really just twiddling his thumbs, spiritually speaking. He wasn't doing very much for the Lord. And um, Paul and Debbie, who some of you know because you've been out to Utangi to visit them, they invited him out there because they saw in him a gift of Bible teaching. And so they invited him to go and teach at their Bible college that they've started up. And if you've never been out, it's a great place to go and be encouraged, see it for yourself. But he went out, he did months of preparing his materials, he got all his commentaries, borrowed commentaries, had these various versions of the Bible out, and we have seen something in him that we hadn't seen before. In his 70s, all of a sudden he's been released into the commission of God for his life. That's incredible, but even more incredible. A husband and wife, 84-year-old woman, 85-year-old man, Peter and Sue, who you guys know. Uh, they'd been hurt in church life. And they came to Brahman Baptist Church hurt, needing uh, restoration and, and needing healing. And over the years, that's what they've experienced from the Lord. About six months ago, at 84 and 85 years old, they felt the Lord had spoken to them. Now, there is a family connection to this, so... I won't go into it, but there's a reason why they're going to this place or have gone. But at 84 and 85 years old, having been restored in their commission and ministry from God, they headed out. They've moved from Britain to Cordoba in Spain, which is down near Malaga, Costa del Sol, that area. Uh, and now they're back up and about serving God in planting a church out there. It's a few years old now, but it's still a church plant. And at 84 and 85 years old, they've become part of the leadership of a church plant in Spain. Isn't that just awesome? Incredible stuff. So you're never too young and you're never too old. God has a commission for your life, which you will, you will come to see when you're faithful in communion with him. And ultimately, and I want to say this particularly to the three guys, your service to God this is true again for all of us. Your service to God is to be an illustration of God's love and a demonstration of God's power. Now, if you're making notes, write that down because that's the key message, really. And that's why I want to end on it this morning. You are called to communion with your Lord so that you may fulfill the commission of your Lord. And you are to do it all with the compassion of your Lord. You are to be an illustration of the love of God and you are to be a demonstration of the power of God. He sent them out with authority to drive out demons. 
there is power, there is authority in the call of God on each of our lives. And as I say, when you're faithful in communion, you'll know your commission, you'll fulfill your commission, you'll do it so in the compassion of God, and that is the place of destiny for every single one of our lives. Amen? Lord, we thank you for these men this morning. We thank you for your call upon all of our lives, and we thank you that we flourish, we grow, we develop in your call when we are faithful in being in submission to those who you've called to places of authority. And Jesus, even you yourself said, you didn't come to be served, you came to serve. Yours is a kingdom that's completely the opposite to the kingdom of this world. Everything is topsy-turvy, upside down in this world. Your kingdom is the perfect kingdom. And we are delighted. It's our delight, Lord. It's our joy. We are glad this morning to be a part of your kingdom and to be serving you in this day, in this place, in this generation. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand over to our brother for a moment. Come on, Rob.